Good Saturday morning to you. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I am Jason Kong. He is Bill Alexander, and he is he's tan, he's relaxed, he's refreshed <laughs> after a nice week at the beach. Bill, it's good to see you again. Yeah, I had, uh, thank you, Jason. It's nice to be back uh, in Raleigh. And you're right. I had a an entire week off. It was uh, very relaxing. Um, Sorry about that. Not a problem. You go ahead. So anyway, um, it really was a nice time. I, I got to sleep late and uh, enjoy <laughs> the uh, weather. And actually, we had beautiful weather uh, on the Outer Banks, The, with the exception of about two days. We had sort of yucky weather for two days, but otherwise it was absolutely gorgeous. But, you know, the thing about it is, um, even though there is extra work going in and a little extra work coming back, it really is nice to get away and relax. Um, and, you know, it's it makes me a better advisor when I come back mm-hmm. uh, because, um, you know, it, 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 it really does help um, to get away from uh, what you do every day. Um, gives you a different perspective and sort of a renews everything. So, that, you know, recharge, whatever. But, you know, that is um, – and study after study has has shown that, that uh, you know, Americans are working longer, working harder for less money, mm-hmm. not a good thing. Um, and the dynamics of work have changed an awful lot. But even with all of that, studies have shown that folks who actually take off and get away from their smartphones and get away from their email um, and truly are able to relax, uh, they come back uh, and are more productive and are better employees. And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that that It's even more important for those caregivers out there, you know, when a lot of folks don't realize how hard it is to be a good caregiver. It's, well, first of all, it's a 24-7 job. Right. And for many of the caregivers, because they don't have adequate support, uh, it's not just 24-7. It's a ball and chain, and it's very stressful. And it's not necessarily fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it, it can be extremely difficult. Um, and some it can be physically demanding, but it's always emotionally demanding. Um, those folks really do need the opportunity to get away for at least a long weekend uh, every month or two uh, or a week or two uh, just, you know, whatever, uh, take one of the children and go on a cruise or whatever, just to be able to uh, recharge. Um, Because if you don't, the stress will actually kill the caregiver before the the loved one who needs the care, uh, uh, you know, has bigger issues. And it's, and I see it every day uh, in my practice because uh, so many caregivers are so worried about the finances. They think, oh, I can't afford to do that. Mm-hmm. If I do, I'm taking away my own future. And the truth is, by not getting the respite, you are taking away from your own future. Um, so, and, and that doesn't even go into the, the 
the issue of of the fact of sometimes and in fact life is all about the journey not necessarily the end and so you got to find those things in the journey um, to make that happiness um, it's it's not about okay I got to get through this so I can get to that next stage where I will be happy that doesn't work right it's about what can I find now that's good about my life and what um, is meaningful and those small things that can allow me to enjoy myself um, while I'm doing what I'm doing right now. You know, fortunately for me right now, I really do enjoy this radio show. So <laughs> that's meaningful to me. It's fun. But I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. It's the kind of thing where you got to find something meaningful and fun about what it is. It doesn't matter whether you you uh, cut cut grass or empty trash or uh, you know do housework. You got to find pride in what you do and then find some enjoyment in, in what it is. Find ways to enjoy. It's a lot. Life is a lot about attitude, um, so it's really important. But that getting away, getting that respite, getting a recharge. Whether you're a young person who's stressed out. Uh, with the job and not making enough money, which is true for most folks, um, <laughs> or people in retirement. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta find. Um, you know, it's funny, but a lot of folks who are in retirement will say they're busier than ever with more obligations because they can't say no. <laughs> so you gotta find a way to say no. That's right. <laughs> so that you can do what you want to do. Um, and be with your friends and, and those kinds of things. So uh, those uh, is so important. But I, I would reach out to caregivers. Uh, and for those family members who are not caregivers, but their, their mom or dad is a caregiver, those children need to do a better job of supporting uh, those uh, caregivers, their parents. And, and sometimes it's a sibling who's the caregiver, who's taken all of the responsibility um, it's not many families that can actually just pay somebody to come in and do what needs to be done. It, in almost every instance, it's either a spouse or a child who uh, are these caregivers. And uh, the, the rest of the families are, you know, it, they're delighted that somebody else is taking on that, that uh, what they consider to be a chore. But uh, they also have to recognize that they need to step up and do some things themselves uh, rather than just let letting someone else do all all of the work, if you will. Yeah, that's some really good advice, because uh, a lot of times when you're in a caregiving role, you know, you talk about respite, but it's it's hard to sort of step away and, and you know, take yourself out of the picture and say, I need this rest. And mm-hmm. that, that support group is so key to come in and say, hey, we got this for you for the weekend. As you said, you know, go, go take a cruise, go out, go uh, enjoy yourself, go relax. Well, you know, and, and you were talking about um, support groups uh, and sometimes a support group uh, can be your church, sure, um, or it can be your synagogue, or it can be uh, your neighbors. It can be your community. It can be a community group. Um, it can be a lot of different support groups. But I'm shocked at how many. I mean, Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, th- that's a big issue. I mean, it, it affects many, many families. And I'm shocked constantly at how many families I talk to 
where no one in the family has even reached out to the North Carolina Alzheimer's Association. We have one of the best groups in the world right here in Raleigh that does such a fabulous job. And they've already they've already invented the wheel. You know, why you know, when you have folks who have been through it thousands of times with other families, why can't you just reach out and get the help that that folks like that can help you with. um, And I I would tell you, at least half the families I talk to have never reached out to the Alzheimer's Association. And of course, there are a lot of other associations out there, support groups for other, um, you know, medical issues that affect so many families. And it's, you know, those support groups can be extremely helpful as well. They really can. And just, just kind of knowing that someone's there listening to you and uh, is, is compassionate and understands what you're going through, that, that can go a lot, a long way when you're in a caregiving role. A quick mm-hmm. break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You are listening to Asset Protection Today here on News Radio 680 WPTF. The show is done with the wonderful attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong, and Bill, we're going to talk about something that's really important to a lot of people and something that I think people tend to struggle with, and that's saving money. Well, you know, it is, it's a lot more difficult than folks realize. It it doesn't have to be, but it's a theme that's important to young people, and it's also a theme that's important to older folks as well. And it doesn't do any good to start saving money when you're 70 years old. I mean, (laughs) you have to start young. Mm -hmm. Um, Many years ago, and there is a, a secret, if you will, to making and and having a lot of money, um, and it's not that particularly difficult, but very few people do it. So, do you want to? Are, are you ready for it? I'm ready. <laughs> well, Hit me with it, Bill. Okay. Well, many years ago, I, I read a book um, called "The Millionaire Next Door." Have you ever heard of it? I think I have. Yeah. Well, you you may be too young for it, but anyway. Um, as an uh, old law school professor said uh, to me about 43 years ago, uh, th- this book is like reading sawdust without butter. Uh, <laughs> not a particularly easy read. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was one theme recurring through this book that was really easy to understand once you got the idea. And that is most of the families that have actually – made a lot of money over their lifetime and and they you know in a, in essence they start out in retirement with plenty of money okay mm-hmm. and these are the folks that you know that uh, upon their death uh, their family or the charities are surprised mm-hmm. very pleasantly that there's a bunch of money waiting for them uh, and, and the secret's pretty simple it's live below your means in other words, don't spend all the money that you make. In other words, set money aside every paycheck. Now, some of that can be relatively easy to do in terms of IRAs are, are um, vehicles, tools to help you save money because you can set aside money that's income tax deferred, Mm -hmm. if you will. In other words, you don't have to pay the income tax on it as you set it aside. And oftentimes, many employers actually 
um, contribute a percentage of your wages to uh, oftentimes they will match how much money you're uh, willing to um, save. And so obviously anyone who has an employer match should be maximizing whatever that employer match is. And oftentimes they need to do more than that. But but the bottom line is, is that so many people are spending every penny that they make. Uh, and, and quite frankly, um, you don't have to save a ton of money every paycheck. But it's the kind of thing where if you can put back 25 to $50 with every paycheck you make for the future, you know, after a number of years, that's going to be a considerable amount of money. And I'm not talking about how it's invested. I mean, I've seen um, uh, little old ladies, if you will, that just decided to buy a $25 bond with every paycheck. Mm-hmm. Well, by the time they retire, they're worth a million bucks. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, that really is, in fact, the secret to being able to accumulate uh, money o- over a period of time. And I read uh, about the fact that over half of the people in this country have less than $400 to fall back on. You know, it basically tells us that most Americans are not savers, that they spend every penny that they get. And what that base, that $400 um, amount means that if they have a small crisis, they can't afford to even pay for that crisis. So if they're, if they need new tires on their car, mm-hmm. if their car breaks down, you know, if there's, um, if they have to call in the plumber or, you know, anything, $400 doesn't go very far. And if you have to borrow money or to sell something in order to get something else taken care of, that's not a good thing. Yeah. So it tells me that there's an awful lot of us uh, as Americans who are really not looking towards the future. So savings, um, even if it's a little bit every month or every week, every paycheck, uh, it will make a huge difference in your life. You know, when we talk about the the journey, it's it's okay. How do you save money? Or I mean, and for, for a lot of folks, there are lots of easy ways that you can save a little bit of money here and a little bit of money there. Um, and I'm sure you can come up with with some ideas that where your family is saving money, Jason. Um, one thing uh, my oldest son is doing right now, which I which I give him a lot of credit for, and is that he's taking his lunch with him every day uh, to work. Well, guess what? You know, to go out to lunch today, uh, I mean, even to go to Wendy's or McDonald's, you're generally going to spend more than five dollars, and mm-hmm. if you go to a, a any kind of regular restaurant, you're going to spend at least ten dollars. For lunch, well, that's a lot of money over a period of a month. So if you go out to lunch every day, you're spending a lot of money. Whereas if you took your lunch, it would might cost you a dollar or a dollar fifty to fix a really nice lunch for yourself uh, and pocket the rest. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you talk about just stashing away twenty five bucks a paycheck. I mean, that that's. 
that's it right there if you okay. want to start small. Well, and I mean, there and there are little things too, and I, it just sort of gets away with me, and t- particularly with some of the younger folks that they don't think anything about going to Starbucks and spending six dollars for a cup of coffee. <laughs> That blows my mind. I, okay, I'm a tightwad. I I admit it, but okay, if you don't fix your own coffee at home, which obviously is a whole lot less expensive, um, you can go to McDonald's and get a cup of coffee for a buck. So right. why, uh, you, you know? And it's good coffee. Or you can go to you know some of these you know a Seven Eleven or whatever. Uh, some of the uh, stores that have fresh coffee that where it's really pretty good coffee as opposed to paying premium prices. It's sort of like um, some of the younger folks think that because they spend a bunch of money on these premium things that somehow they feel better about themselves. But to me, it's just a cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) So it's – uh, it, 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 you know, it's the kind of thing when you're talking about savings that, you know, there's an old maxim, you have to spend money to make money, right? Right. And there is some truth to that, but with every time you think about that, it's also you got to spend money to lose money. <laughs> you, you know, that's very true. <laughs> which is even more true than the first maxim, you, you mm-hmm. know, and so. Um, It's the kind of thing where there is – in everything we do, there are ways uh, to spend less money and to put that money aside for for us. And and so uh, I think that's really important. Uh, Now, another way to save money long term, uh, which – to me, is a really helpful thing, and of course, you have to start thirty years in advance for most folks, and that is home ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, now, why is that important? How does it help you save money? Well, if you're not buying a home, guess what you're doing? You're renting, and rents go up every year. Would you say that's? Uh, that's fair? I've, I've never seen it go down. Yes. Okay. In my time. So rents go up every year, which means it's not fixed. Well, when you buy a home. It, you have a fixed payment. Now, sometimes the escrow goes up because your taxes or the cost of insurance goes up, but it's a very small amount compared to what rent prices would mm-hmm. do to you uh, because rent goes up with inflation or more. Uh, so homeownership allows you to put money back, your building equity every month. Um, and, of course, once you have your home paid off, then that payment goes away. So it's not just about a fixed payment each month. But then I've known seniors who have a 30-year mortgage that they get when they're 65 and 70 years old, which seems pretty optimistic to me. But but what they're doing is um, their uh, mortgage payment is much less than what a rental payment would be. And so they look at it as they're just going to pay rent, and yes, they'll still owe money when they die. Mm-hmm. But there is some sense in that. I, of course, to me, it's far better to retire with your home paid off uh, simply because it allows you to go into retirement with less money uh, or there's more uh, spendable money because it's not going to uh, rent. So that's, you know, now I will also say this. Right now, the Congress is looking at, quote, tax reform. Well, with tax reform, there's winners and losers in every 
law that is passed. And one of the biggies uh, that you may want to call your congressman or senator about right now is the fact that they are talking about taking away the, the home mortgage deduction. Well, obviously, if you purchased a home and factored in that home mortgage deduction uh, into your budget, which most of us have, uh, you're about to get screwed. <laughs> so you might want to make a call or write a letter to your congressman. Now, obviously, the Association of Realtors and, and other homeowner investor groups have lobbyists up there. But that's not enough. They need to hear from folks. If if the issue is important to you, then this is one time that you may want to communicate with your representatives. And I'm really talking about your United States senators and your United States congressmen. Uh, those are the ones who are going to be voting on this tax reform package. And and uh, while there's there's um, other than that, you know, there's some good things and bad things in the package. It may come out to be able to help uh, a lot of folks uh, in some ways. I mean, there's simplifying the t- taxes would be really nice for everybody. But uh, Congress will never simplify it so much uh, that they can't push policy into um, into their legislation. So to me, home ownership is one of those really important policies that help everyone. You know, it's the American dream on your own home, and it should be, because if you uh, do it right, you can uh, go into retirement in a much better fashion. Mm-hmm. You own your home, you have equity, you're not paying those fixed payments for rent. Um, so there are a lot of advantages to home ownership, but people need to recognize that right now is the time that they might want to talk to their elected officials about how important this deduction is for them. Um, because, again, that is another way that it helps you save. Plus, for most families, your home is a protected asset. In other words, the laws are are made so that it's difficult for, for even if you get in financial trouble, it's difficult for uh, folks to take your home away f- from you. It, not that it can't be done. And, you know, we talk about estate recovery and claims and how to protect yourself from those too. But but the bottom line is, is that uh, your uh, home can be a protected asset. Now, that also varies from one state to another. Uh, the North Carolina rules are uh, fairly good. They're, they're not as good as, say, Florida, where they have a homestead exemption, where your home is, uh, is sacrosanct in Florida. So as long as you own it and you don't owe money on it, uh, nobody can take it away from you, and it doesn't matter what kind of creditor you have in Florida. So, yeah, uh, you know, those are the kind of things. But in uh, North Carolina, it's, it's, uh, there are some exemption laws, and, of course, uh, most married couples own their home together. So it's, it's very difficult to uh, basically take one home, one's home away from them while they're alive anyway. Right. So that, that's really an important concept for folks to um, understand. Now, there's some subtleties about home ownership that folks really need to understand as well. 
you know, if you're not settled, if you're a young person who might move from Raleigh to Charlotte to L.A., um, owning a home and, and or you're moving in with a company and you're not sure how long that job is going to last, buying a home knowing that you might be moving in three or four years is not a great idea, you know, because the cost of purchasing and the cost of selling eats up the advantages of, uh, of buying the home. But um, so you have to be careful on that. And for those folks who are likely to buy a home and move, you know, they know they're stable, they're going to stay in this area or stay in an area, uh, but they're buying a smaller ho- home hoping to sell it, you know, say five years as their family grows and buy a larger mm-hmm. home. You know, they're just simply trying to build equity in a home that they can use for their next home. Well, for those folks, um, a fixed mortgage, a fixed rate mortgage may not be in their best interest. Adjustable rate mortgages are typically cheaper for at least five years. So that can be a strategy that folks use in terms of purchasing their homes. But if you're in your home that you think you're going to be in for many, many years, then the fixed rates, and of course right now the rates are extremely low, which is really, really nice. So it's an opportunity, it's a time to buy. For that reason, um, so if you're in a home that you think you're going to be in for many years, then a fixed rate mortgage is clearly in your best interest. And yeah. then there, of course, there are ways to um, to uh, pay your mortgage. There are little tricks, if you will, uh, so that you can reduce the time it takes you to pay off your mortgage. You know, just paying twice monthly will mm-hmm. reduce your time you it takes to pay your mortgage uh, by a number of years, which a lot of folks don't realize. Um, yeah, you know, and obviously, if you overpay your mortgage by even $100 a month, that will also reduce your uh, mortgage by a number of years uh, on most 30-year mortgages. Or if you take a 15-year mortgage rather than a 30-year mortgage, then obviously that's going to do it. But then uh, you have to make sure that you're budgeted for that right. so that if you have a downturn that you can still make sure that you can afford that mortgage every month. So there are a lot of different tricks to the trade, but using home ownership, getting that uh, deduction that, uh, that's, that I hope will be there for many years to come uh, are things that, that will help folks very good. There's lots of different ways to save and we'll continue our conversation in just a bit. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander and you can find Bill again tomorrow morning on the CW22 at 8:30 with his TV show money secrets and you can catch that every sunday morning get more bill in your life get 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 the visuals of bill if you've been listening to this You're program chase and, people away jason no 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 <laughs> see i think there are people out there listening to like ah oh, what does what does bill look like can i can i watch him and get more advice well you can do that with money secrets well that's morning. fun but it's not as fun much it's not as much fun as this show but i uh, I, I do enjoy that show as well um and now so what are what are some of the other ways, unconventional ways of of saving money? Um, and this might surprise folks, but and this is pro, this is obviously more attuned to younger people, or it could be parents or grandparents who are helping y- younger people save money. 
Um, but uh, and this may come as a surprise, but life insurance or certain types of life insurance can actually be a wonderful vehicle for saving money that is also asset protected. You know, so a lot of folks don't realize that creditors cannot take away your life insurance policies uh, in North Carolina. Now, some states they might be able to, but not in this state. So it's an asset protection vehicle. Uh, now, there's some other uh, – now, okay, there are many, many different types of life insurance, so you have to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, now, so the simplest form of life insurance is what's called term insurance. There is no cash value uh, to term insurance, so that is not a savings vehicle. Uh, term insurance is what young people purchase to for risk, for absolute protection for their family in the event of death. Um, uh, and obviously it would be an unexpected accidental death in most cases. But typically, that's where young people are trying, you know, they've purchased a house, they have a mortgage that's fairly large, they know if they were to die, their spouse could not keep up that mortgage payment. So they purchase life insurance primarily for the purpose of paying off the mortgage, uh, sometimes to make sure that their children have enough money to be educated. Uh, and that the spouse is financially secure, at least for a period of time. So those uh, – and it's very, very inexpensive um, uh, to purchase term insurance. And that's true pretty much throughout your life until you get to be 60 to 70 years old. And that at that point, term insurance can be very expensive. But the opposite of term is called whole life insurance and whole you have to look at whole life as uh, an investment or a savings tool so it's more than just life insurance but one of the so yes it is far more expensive to purchase whole life insurance than it is term insurance however and a lot of folks don't realize this generally with good life insurance companies whole life, will generally pay for itself after about 15 years of premium payments. So in essence, instead of paying premiums every year for the rest of your life, which you would have to do with term until it expires. Mm -hmm. And see, the other side of term insurance, a lot of folks don't realize this, term insurance actually only pays out a benefit about a 1.5% for all policies which basically means that people pay for policies, but they never actually get the death benefit. So it's it's pure risk, and that's why it's cheap, because mm -hmm. the insurance companies make a ton of money because they don't have to pay claims because most people age out of term policies. Most term policies you can't renew after age 70 to 75, depending on the policy, and most people live past that. Uh, or they or they get their mortgage paid off and their kids educated and they decide they don't want that that insurance anymore so they just drop it. Mm -hmm. So most term policies are dropped 
uh, long before people die. So they don't have to pay. Yeah, and they're but, usually kind of happy about it. <laughs> exactly. Well, of course, it's always better than the alternative of dying. But uh, um, whole life insurance is really a savings vehicle that normally pays for itself after about 15 years. Now, I say about 15 years because in extraordinary economic, really good economic times, it might pay off where it pays for itself in 12, 13 years. And in relatively poor economic times, in other words, just horrible markets over that 15-year period, it might take 17, 18, 19 years before it pays off. But any really good whole life insurance policy that's structured properly will actually pay for itself in about 15 years, which is really nice. Once you get to that point, then you don't have to contribute to it uh, if you don't want to, or you can continue to contribute to it. So, But it's a savings vehicle. Um, now, what are, what are some of the other nice things about a well-structured life insurance policy? Well, number one, it will never lose value. It's it's guaranteed to increase in value uh, going forward. The internal returns inside a life insurance policy are not taxed to you. Okay, so that's good. And again, as long as your policy is structured properly. Now, you, you can't do um, – I mean, you can do single premium, you know, one-time payment policies, but those are not taxed as life insurance policies. They're a little bit different, mm-hmm. okay? But ones that are structured for at least seven years uh, are life insurance policies, and so you can borrow against your policy, and that's a loan, so it's not taxable income to you. And uh, again, unless you mess it up in some way, the death benefit that's paid out to your spouse or children or heirs uh, is income tax-free. So in essence, okay, it's a little struggle to pay for it, but you can borrow against the cash value buildup inside your policy without any income tax. It grows. It's guaranteed not to lose value. It grows income tax-free, and it pays out income tax-free. That's what I call a tax-sheltered investment, and it's Mm asset-protected, at least in North Carolina. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Now, the other thing that a lot of folks don't realize is that the life insurance policies of today are far better than the life insurance policies sold 30 years ago, far more competitive, structured better, uh, and you can add things to them called riders um, that make them even better. Um, so there are um, – I mean, let me give you an example. One of the um, things that a lot of folks are doing, uh, particularly if they buy these policies uh, early enough, is they're adding what's called a long-term care rider – uh, to their policy so that if they have a long-term care crisis in their future, which about half of us or more will have, they can actually use their life insurance policy uh, as a long-term care policy, which which is perfect for a lot of families. Why? Because once they get to an age where they uh, might need long-term care, they generally don't need the life insurance anymore. You know, they've paid off their home. Mm-hmm. Their kids are through college. They've their kids are married. They have grandchildren, and now they're 
uh, sick. Uh, well, they don't need the life insurance policy, so in essence, it's a windfall upon their death, but to the degree that they can pull down not just the cash value, but the death benefit for long-term care purposes, that's pretty cool. And to me, that's good planning. It's a savings plan uh, where you know that that you're either you, depending on how you've structured the policy, or your family will benefit from that investment. So to me, particularly with the long-term care riders, which I really like, um, it's really important. So truthfully, any person who's still in good health, even if they're 60 years old, uh, if they have an old policy with a good bit of cash value in it, um, oftentimes, if they're still in good health, uh, they can restructure that. In other words, they can exchange that policy for a new policy. We look at policies like that all the time for our clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, all it takes is um, a fairly simple process to review it uh, for um, uh, so to see if there's something better out there. And I've done it with a number of clients where we've taken an old policy and we've gotten them uh, for less money in terms of their premium, we've got it, gotten them a higher death benefit with a long-term care rider inside these new policies because these new policies are so much better mm-hmm. than the old ones. Uh, now, I'm really talking about folks that have had life insurance for 20, 25, 30 years, uh, you know, because the newer policies, uh, you know, the what's happened is people are living longer, so the tables, life expectancy tables are you know, gives us more years, and the policies are far more competitive um, and structured far better today uh, than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. So really just depends on what folks have, but it's, it's an opportunity to look at what you have in order to do better with it. Yeah, it's a tool that seems to have a lot of versatility, and as you said, uh, uh, proper planning is mm-hmm. involved. A mm-hmm. quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. He's Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong, and we're talking all about savings today. And Bill, we've uh, been on the subject of life insurance, and in particular, the whole life insurance plans, and and these seem to be pretty cool. Uh, well, the, it can be. And of course, uh, a lot of folks don't think about using life insurance until they get married. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the big jump right. for most families uh, when they think, oops, I better look at something like that. But the fact of the matter is, is that uh, you can, uh, the best time to actually secure a life insurance policy is when a child is, is about one year old, when mm-hmm. they're born. So it's the kind of thing where if the parents are on the ball or the grandparents are on the ball, you can actually purchase a life insurance policy that will grow and do a whole lot more when you're looking at an infant than a a 20 or 25 or 35-year-old person, Mm -hmm. you know, because the life insurance when a person is one year old is virtually nil. Uh, So Mm -hmm. almost all the money, particularly depending on how you structure the policy, and a lot of folks don't realize that internally in a life insurance policy, you can structure it differently depending on what your goals are. But obviously, if you buy it younger Mm -hmm. in a properly structured policy, 
you can get a lot of bang out of that. And we we actually talk to grandparents and parents about purchasing policies for their infants um, as a retirement plan for those children and grandchildren uh, because it's an extraordinarily uh, extraordinary tool if it's done properly. So if folks want to talk to me about that, we can talk about that all day. Now, there's another tool that grandparents and parents can use to really help their children get on the savings mode, uh, and that is when they start working. You know, they have to have earned income. But when you have earned income, you can do what's called a Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. Now, you don't get any tax benefit initially when you put money into your IRA, and you're limited to $5,500 a year into your IRA. But the bottom line is, is if parents and grand, I mean, you have to realize when a 16-year-old is working, they're not working for retirement. <laughs> but let's say they've made two or $3,000, uh, either waiting tables or mowing grass or do any kind of earned income. That's the best time in that person's life to invest in a Roth IRA because What's their tax rate, Jason, when they're 16, 17, 18 years old? It's very, very low. If it's not almost, nothing. it's probably zero. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. It might be 10%, but it's probably zero. Yeah. So at that point, they can, inv they're not, while they're not going to do it, their parents and grandparents could do it for them by simply gifting them the money to invest in a Roth IRA. And a Roth invested early is 10 times more powerful than a Roth invested when you're 35 or 45 years old. So getting a Roth started for a young person, particularly when their tax rate is low, is the very best time to do it. Great way to save for that child. Yeah, that's, that's a very good tip that I think a lot of people should take advantage of. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. And we are uh, just about out of time here, but we got enough time to remind you that we've got uh, a seminar coming up in, uh, in just under two weeks for folks to check out. And Bill, you've also got something in the works here. It's it's not officially ready yet, but uh, well, actually, I'm looking for a location, but I do plan to do uh, an, some uh, seminars on IRAs. Um, you know, retirement uh, plans are so important to everyone today, and I want to be able to to share with people how they can use their IRAs and how how the best way to save and structure with an IRA is. Uh, and this is true for young folks, old folks, uh, investors. Uh, there are a lot of different things that can be done with IRAs that a lot of folks just don't realize. And so I, I really want to do a seminar uh, very soon on how to use your IRA. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Hopefully you can find a location relatively soon. Well, we are out of time. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you'll do it again next week. You've been listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him online at WGALaw.com. Have a good weekend, everyone.